If you want to be a premier cop, then you need to learn from the premier police training company in the land. Of course, I'm talking about Street Cop Training. They've got dozens of instructors out in the field right now, sharing their expertise in narcotics, interdiction, report writing, first aid, mental health, case law, and just quality police work. And those aren't even all the topics. There's literally something for everybody. I've attended several classes myself, and I can tell you that these folks cannot miss. Dennis Benino, the owner, is doing massive things for the world of law enforcement at a time when everyone else seems to be running away from it. Street Cop Training is literally the best in the business. Check out their private Instagram and join their law enforcement-only Facebook group to get free trainings, and then check out upcoming in-person and on-demand trainings at streetcop.com. You will not be disappointed. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 108 Podcast. Clear Officer Degas with Christina Degas. It's staffed with city leaders and police department leaders who are inept and very scared of a loud mob. Prior to this, I would have bet every dollar in my bank account that this would never happen to us. We're living proof that this can happen to anyone. It's one of those doomsday scenarios. Today it's us and tomorrow... You know, it's coming to a community near you. I'll be fucked up if you can't be right. Yeah. I do the same thing. I told you that I never would. I told you I changed. Even when I knew I never could. Know that I can't find nobody else as good as you. I need you to stay. Need you to stay. I do the same thing. I told you that I never would. I told you I changed. Even when I knew I never could. Know that I can't find nobody else as good as you. I need you to stay. Need you to stay. When I'm away from you, I miss your time. The poorest way to face life is to face it with a sneer. There are many men who feel a kind of twisted pride in cynicism. There are many who confine themselves to criticism of the way others do what they themselves dare not even attempt. There is no more unhealthy being no man less worthy of respect than he who either really holds or feigns to hold an attitude of sneering disbelief toward all that is great and lofty, whether in achievement or in that noble effort which, even if it fails, comes to second achievement. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds 
who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Imagine, if you will, you go to the police academy. A lot of you guys have already done that. So if you haven't, imagine it. And if you have, just bear with me. So let's, let's take this a step back further you make the decision to go to the police academy something in you has inspired you to go to the police to, to, to the police academy something you don't know what it is maybe it's your lineage maybe your dad was a police officer your mother was a police officer their parents were police officers it's just in your blood maybe that's why maybe something traumatic happened in your life maybe you were brought up to dislike the police something traumatic happened in your life and the police came to save you and you thought man that's what i want to do maybe you were kind of middle of the road you didn't necessarily do anything bad you didn't really do anything amazing like you weren't a boy scout eagle scout but you're middle of the road but you know right from wrong you know what is right you know what's wrong and time comes for you to make a decision in your life what are you going to do with your life and you decide you're going to go to the police department whatever your choice was that's what you made the decision now uh you do what you need to do to join the police academy. What does that mean? Well, in a lot of cases, that means you have to get your background checked done. You have to fill out a very extensive uh, background investigation packet um, to either get into the police academy or hired by a police department. I mean, upwards of 30 pages in most cases. Seldom is it anything under that. And I'll tell you, when you finish that application, you're going to learn more about yourself than you probably ever have and ever will again. So you do that, you go through all the different screenings they have, you're going to take a physical test, the oral board interview, uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, canned, you know, tell us about yourself. And then it's going to be some of that, um, you know, what would you do in this scenario? Which is odd if you've never been in the police academy, but that's a different story for a different time. So you do all that, you take a polygraph or a CVSA, or maybe you don't because you live in a state that doesn't require that, which is nice and dandy because I don't understand it. Again, different story for a different time. You do all these things, you go to the police academy, you deal with all the bullshit that goes along with it, you stand information, you run, you fight, you shoot, you do all these cool things, you have to drive a car really fast for the first time and not worry about getting pulled over while you're doing your EVOC course, you do all these things, you finally graduate. And that's a great moment. It really is. I remember the head of my police academy said, you know, when you put on that academy uniform, I bet you felt pretty damn proud about yourself. And I did. I remember I did. I'm sure a lot of people did. It was a lot of uh, hard work, you know. A lot of people in America these days, they don't understand hard work. They can log on to their internet. They can sign up for a website, flash their tits, flash their dick, and suddenly they're a millionaire. They can go on to YouTube. They can open up toys. You can be a five-year-old and you can have more money than some of the hardest working individuals in the country. 
But guess what? After all that hard work, you graduated the police academy. You had someone you cared about either hand you your diploma or pin a badge on you. Uh, For me, it was my dad. When I graduated the police academy, when I got hired and I swore in for the first time, he was the one that pinned my badge to me. It was a very proud moment. And for me, when I failed FTO, actually I chose to step aside from FTO the first time, and then it was my brother-in-law that pinned me the second time because uh, my dad was too sick to come to my second pinning ceremony, and I was like, well, he was there for the first one, and that's the one that counts in my mind. This is kind of just a first show kind of thing, but both of them were very important, and I had the same feeling each time, very proud, swell of joy and, and pride. And I always say, don't be too prideful, pride goeth before the fall, Don't uh, don't forget your proverbs, but... Nevertheless, I was proud, and I guarantee you, anybody who has put on that badge, who has put on that uniform, who has swore in, who gave that oath, felt a sense of pride. And now what? Are we done? Are we just going there and we get to be cops? Now sometimes, sometimes you get to somewhere really rural, they're going to slap a gun on your waist, and they're going to say, hey, good luck there, partner. But a lot of times you have to endure an intense field training program. Sometimes there's an an additional academy in-house, sometimes you go straight to the road. It kind of depends. But for this little story I'm throwing out here, let's just say that you go straight to the road and you have to ride with a whole bunch of different personalities. You get to see what police work is really all about. Now, you might have done ride-alongs up to this point, but it's different when you're the one that has to make decisions. And it's nerve-wracking. You know, I know I've lost sleep over it. Um, I had, you know, my nerves were shot. I, I, it was very bad time. I, I mean, I can't mince words. FTO's tough. And, um, but eventually you get signed off. You get to go in the Batman car by yourself. And I will tell you the day that happened for me was one of the most happiest moments that I ever experienced. And I'm sure that I don't speak for myself or just for myself. I'm sure there's many people that feel the exact same way. So after all this, you finally make it to the, to the Batman car and you're, you're doing it, man. You finally do this entire process, which for me was a couple years. It took a couple years to go from a guy that went, yeah, I think I'll do the police academy to, Hey, I'm 10, eight, you know? And it was a great feeling. And when you start making arrests, when you start putting cases on people, when you finally get someone to go, thank you so much. You arrested my abusive husband. Thank you so much. You found my missing child. Then you're like, this is what I put this shit on for. This is what I endured. This is why I got pepper sprayed in the face and tased in the back and shot with sim rounds, which is still my least favorite thing of all of it, except for pepper spray. You can go chuck that in the ocean. But after all that, this is why. This is what I wanted. For me, the most rewarding arrest I have made to date was arresting a guy who was fall over drunk, who was getting into the driver's seat of a pickup truck while his two-year-old daughter was walking around the front seat because her her car seat was on the floor. And when I got called and I went there and I, I ended up arresting him for DUI and child endangerment, that was one of the best moments of my life because I knew, and when I put my head on my pillow that morning, I knew that I saved that little girl's life. And yes, there are some people, unfortunately, you cannot save. And, that you know, in the same breath, I think of her that I saved and I think of the children that I didn't save. I think of the people that I gave CPR to that didn't come back. And yes, this all weighs on you. But you know what? At the end of the day, you know you have done your best. You know that you have served your community. And you know you can live with yourself that way. Now, that's seven minutes of giving you an, a recap of most police, police officers' lives right now just imagine 
if you will. You do all this stuff. Your record is clean. Not so much as a, as a hey, someone calling this and, hey, man, you're driving like an asshole. Nothing. You have a clean record. But wrong place, wrong time. And that is what we are talking about today. Two days after the George Floyd incident, which launched this country into turmoil. Honestly, watching those riots last year was something that I expected to see in the Arab Spring several years ago. You know, those kind of riots, those kind of uprisings. This wasn't America. It was very surreal to me. But imagine two days after that incident, and I don't, I don't have to, you know, be verbose about how impactful that was. You guys know. Everyone knows. Unless you've been under a rock or in a coma. Everyone knows. Imagine two days after that, you doing your job. You have never stepped out of line. You have done your job the way you swore you were going to do your job. You have been ethical, professional, and legal your entire career up to this point. You go work an assignment at a train station. Your job, what you are told to do, is, hey, contact everybody on this platform. Anybody without a ticket has to go. They're not allowed to be here. That's the rules. When we are children, we are taught the rules, right? Hey, these are what you can do. This is what you can't do. And guess what? There are consequences for doing what you can't do. It depends on what it is. You know, my mom, she had a, uh, she had like a vinyl cover for her dinner table, and I, I peeled a piece of it. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to do it because I was a little kid. But guess what? A swift smack across my face. I never did that again. It hurt. I didn't like that. But guess what? I learned, right? You step out of line in school. You get disciplined. You, you, you do something wrong. Something bad is going to happen to you one way or another. And you become accountable for your actions. You know that, hey, I don't like this. So I'm not going to do this. So I have better outcomes. That's life. That's a civilized society. There are rules. You follow them. Good things happen. Or rather, maybe not good things happen, but bad things don't happen to rule followers. Period. I'd say 98% of the time. Okay, there are outliers. I can't say that we are in a perfect society. But for the sake of argument, 98% of the time, if you follow the rules, nothing bad is going to happen to you. Okay. Now, we are on this train station You were just told, hey, anybody on here that doesn't have a ticket has to leave. Okay. In my world, now I've never, I've never been in that situation, but that's like going to 7-Eleven. Hey, anybody who is, does not have a receipt, who's loitering on our property has to go. Easy enough. Hey, uh, hey man, do you have a receipt? Yep. Just bought my gas. Cool. Finish pumping. Have a nice night. Anyone who's not a customer. So there's a guy sitting there on the corner of the of the sidewalk. He's got nothing. He doesn't have a Slurpee cup. He doesn't have a big gulp. He doesn't have a bag of jelly beans. He's got nothing. Hey, man, what you doing here? Nothing. All right, you got a, uh, you got a receipt? Like, what are you doing? Oh, no, man, I'm just hanging out. Cool. Leave. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Or he could say, no, nah, man, I'm not leaving. All right, now we've got a problem. I need you to identify yourself because now you're trespassing. Right? That's how this goes. For people that aren't cops, that's how it goes. Right? If you're if you're not supposed to be here and you refuse to go when I tell you to go, we have a problem. Okay. 
now I, now I need to identify yourself. Now, imagine all this stuff is going on. You are going to start jawing off at me because you're upset about what has happened across the country. Fine, I'll give you that. I understand. But it doesn't change our interaction right now. It doesn't change that, right? I'm a, I'm a person with a job. You are my assignment on this job. I need to complete this. Legally, there is legal precedent that says you cannot hinder my job, okay? That's just the way it is, right? If I was a waiter at Wendy's, or let's say Applebee's, just because I'm thinking of Applebee's right now, you were at my table and I was like, hey man, you need to place your order. And you're like, nah, man, I don't want to. Okay, there's a little, I have nothing that I can do to you at that moment. There's no law saying that by you delaying my process is illegal. However, we are not at Applebee's or Wendy's. We are law enforcement and, and subject on the street or in a, in a privately owned establishment, the train station. And I say, hey man, you need to, you can't disrupt my job. You need to carry on and, and we need to go through this. By you hindering my job, now we have a criminal offense by the letter of the law. We have a criminal offense, which means you can now be legally detained, okay? And I don't, I'm not entirely sure about in California, but in Florida, if, hey, if it was just a trespassing situation, no, I can't legally detain you. Have a nice day. As a matter of fact, for trespassing, I don't want to detain you. I want you to go. So get out of here. But now we have a crime. Now you are detained. But when individuals, family or friends start showing up on scene going, hey, man, why are you harassing my buddy? Don't worry about it. I'll get you in a minute. And he starts getting up and I go, no, 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 man. I have a legal right to put my hands on you because you are detained. Right. I can detain you physically by word. There's so many different things. Okay, all this makes sense. This makes sense. I'm explaining to you in a way that makes sense. Right. If I say, hey, man, you're not free to go and you get up to leave. I can make you leave. I can make you not leave. That's what the law says. The law says this. It's not like some genie popped up and goes, hmm, on, uh, on Friday morning, you are, um, you're going to be allowed to No, the law says this. Okay. Lawyers, they take a lot of time to write laws and, you know, unwrite laws, but whatever they have it right. This isn't just something we made up. All this makes sense, right? Okay. Then I want to know why in La Mesa, California, there is a police officer fighting for his freedom because Matthew Degas did this entire story I just told you. He did this story. And everybody listening up to this point goes, okay, what's, what's the problem? Well, the problem is he arrested this subject. The subject was not did not have these charges filed on him. And because of it was in the wake of George, George Floyd... The city of La Mesa, California burned. Okay, so what? Officer Degas just did his job. He followed the letter of the law. What's the problem? Well, when you start having weak political pundits, that's the problem. You've got these, these weak politicians saying, no, 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 no. I, I understand that your department said that you were clear you did nothing wrong, but you did. <laughs> you didn't uh, follow in line with the court of public opinion. So... Not only are you going to lose your job over something that is actually justified by your department's policy, you are now under arrest for a felony. If anyone's mind is feeling like it's, it's soup right now, right? Like a bowl of just soupy bullshit, then just wait. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 10-8 Podcast. I am your host, 10-8 Officer Y, whatever you want to call me. My, my guest 
right now is going to be Christina Degas. She has an amazing story about her husband, Matthew Degas. Check it out, and we will be back after the break. Check it out. I'm worried pain is the strongest feeling I'll ever have. If pain reveals who we truly are, then maybe I'm not so bad. Gonna die trying to make a point no one's ever going to get. I'm not discouraged enough to shut up yet. I wanna be out there. There must be something. I wanna follow my nightmares. So here goes nothing. All right, we are back, and joining me is Christina Degas, and she has quite the story to tell. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I've been excited. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited to have this conversation, and like we were saying moments ago, like this is such an important story to tell. Um, it's, very, it's a microcosm of everything law enforcement is dealing with these days, and for it to... To me, it's important to tell my listenership and hopefully beyond my listenership, hopefully it gains more to see that this is real and this affects real people and and exactly what goes from there. Because it's one thing to hear about it on the news thousands of miles away. And while you are thousands of miles away, to hear it firsthand, how it affects you and how it's affecting your family is just, it's so important to get that perspective. So thank you so much for taking some time and, and talking to me today. My pleasure. So um, I guess we'll just, we'll kind of dive right into it. Tell us the story, tell us exactly, you know, what's going on and and we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, happy to dive right in. Um, So I'm Christina Degas. My husband is Matthew um, and he was with the La Mesa Police Department um, in 2020. He um, was out uh, on patrol just two days after the George Floyd incident. And he was assigned along with other police officers um, to work a trolley enforcement detail. So all of them are stationed at this. It's essentially a transit center. And their job is to contact everyone that's on the property and check for trolley fare. So it's really simple. It's really routine. Um, In that area of the city, um, it's, it's a lot of crime activity. Um, And so officers are there regularly just to have a command presence and to kind of just prevent crime, keep the area safe. So he's there doing his job. He talks to someone who's on MTS property and asks them if they have a trolley pass and they don't. Um, So for those of you who are familiar with law enforcement, that is an automatic detention. Um, And so that should have been a very routine encounter, right? You give your name, your date of birth, you do what the officer says reasonably and you're on your way. But this particular day, uh, this person was really fired up about the George Floyd incident. Um, They refused to give their name, their date of birth, which delayed the interaction. 
during the detention, uh, an unknown car pulled up with some of this person's friends and this person decided, I'm done with this detention and they tried to walk away. Uh, so my husband, knowing this person is still detained, still hasn't been given this person's name or date of birth, uh, tells the person they're not free to leave. And this person smacks my husband's hand off their shirt. This person just starts going on a tirade of profanities and slurs and um, insults to my husband. Uh, so he's acting just completely combative and out of control and unreasonable. So my husband utilizes a very low level use of force, just goes hands on with the guy to kind of keep him in a seated position until other officers arrive, right? Because it started out as a detention and then it quickly escalated due to this person's behavior. Uh, he struck a police officer, which you cannot do ever for any reason. Um, and so it went from a simple, normal detention to uh, this person being arrested for assault of a police officer and resisting and delaying a police officer. So, of course, uh, a video of only that use of force part of their interaction uh, is taken with, by a cell phone, a, a bystander with a cell phone. And the person in this interaction uh, posts it online with the hashtag George Floyd. And as you can imagine, two days after the George Floyd incident, that hashtag, that video went viral. Um, so it resulted in um, protests immediately at our personal home, um, as well as at the police department. And all of that, you know, devolved into uh, buildings being burnt down. Uh, people thought that, you know, they had enough information about that interaction to make judgments about my husband's character and what's in his heart and what belief system our marriage is based on. So uh, social justice people started calling my husband a racist. They said that he should be fired and criminally charged for assault, right? Ignoring all the situational details that disprove those claims. Uh, but just because it was a, a use of force, they didn't like the way it looked. They were committed to misunderstanding use of force and uh, police tactics. And, you know, they were really upset about something that happened across the country from where we are just two days prior. So uh, that was 17 months ago, 17 months and change. Uh, so our lives have been turned upside down from that incident alone. Uh, my husband, so essentially all of that um, unrest launched a use of force investigation. My husband was cleared for use of force, but the angry and ignorant mob like wouldn't stop there. Like I said, they protested, they rioted, they got really loud. And where my husband worked, uh, it's a small city just outside of San Diego. It's um, it's staffed with city leaders and police department leaders who are inept and very scared of a loud mob. So even though my husband was cleared for use of force, um, you know, they still found reasons to try and poke holes in his report, fire him for political reasons, uh, and criminally charge him all for the purpose of just quieting that mob and trying to avoid their city burning down mm -hmm. more. So um, I've been speaking it out now for a few months because I think it's so important, uh, one, to false check that false narrative, right? That race baiting, those clickbait headlines that we've seen happen sure. to the profession of policing for uh, over a year now. Um, to, so to set the record straight about what happened in my husband's case and what didn't happen, um, and also to warn law enforcement families across the country, because what's happening to us is a nightmare. Um, it's completely turned our lives upside down, all for a justified use of force and my husband doing his job. Um, and I want other police spouses to know that prior to this, I would have bet every dollar in my bank account that this would never happen to us because we were good people. My husband was an honest, good, hardworking police officer. 
And we're living proof that this can happen to anyone. This is serious. The threat is real. Um, and today it's us and tomorrow, you know, it's coming to a community near you. It could happen yeah. to your police spouse. It could happen to a police officer you know or you care about. So it's really important that people pay attention to what's happening in our case because, like I said, it could be anyone next. Yeah, it's one of those doomsday scenarios that we think about in law enforcement. And unfortunately, up until last year, that really wasn't the forefront. That wasn't on everybody's mind. I mean, a law enforcement officer and their family has so much more to worry about day to day, what's going to happen on the job, um, but placating to the mob and, and you know, uh, social opinion was never really part of that. And, and I've talked to people who kind of a spirited conversation about how are police officers political anything? And my, my standpoint as someone who's worn the, the uniform for several years is no, we're not. That is not the point of being a police officer is to have nothing to do with politics. We are merely the, um, literally it's in the name law enforcement. That's all we're doing. We have nothing to do with who's elected, what their agenda is, has nothing to do with it. But over the past several years, actually, I would say past six to seven years now, we've become increasingly political scapegoats. We have become the vehicle for these agendas and for these practices, which is very unfortunate. And and like you said, your family is living proof. Um, everything you kind of told us about, I kind of want to pick apart a little bit here and there. So we're going to go right to the beginning. We're going to go to the incident itself. Um now I'm not I'm not from out there, so I, I, you might have to kind of clarify a little bit to me. So what your what your husband was assigned to do was essentially um, what people in like New York would have to deal with as far as like transit fare evasion, like hopping a turnstile, things like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, as I mentioned, it's a high crime area, so it's important for officers to have a regular presence there. Um, they partner with. Um, the transit center police that are there 24 seven to have like an expanded police presence, mm -hmm. because that's how bad crime at this station is crime at all transit stations in the city. So this is a very known and very regular need in the city of La Mesa is officers need to be there. You need to be talking to everyone. If you don't have a trolley pass, if you don't have business to be on MTS property. You gotta go. And, um, right. and that's kind of the irony is like, had this person been reasonable given their name, date of birth, if they don't have like any existing warrants in the system, they don't even, it's not even a citation. It's not like this person can say, I was afraid of getting a ticket. Um, they would have been educated and said, hey, you can't be here going forward, just so you know. And they could have been released and, you know, went on with the rest of their day. But they, they resisted, were combative, and it's due to their actions alone that this escalated to necessitate a use of force. Right. And I feel like it's, it's crazy. It's the lo like lowest level of encounter. It's it's like you said, just check and, and there you go. Have a nice day. If you don't have it or, you know, God forbid you actually had the ticket that was supposed to be there, this wouldn't have even been an issue. And um, I've said multiple times, all you need to do, be respectful and comply. It's not like your husband was, you know, asking something absurd or illegal or immoral. Minor, in minor information. Just that's it. Just comply, be respectful. And chances are you will never have an issue. You know, it, it came up the other day. Um, I guess the New York Times put out an article regarding um, fatal use of forces that come from traffic stops. A very, very vague article that had, you know, incomplete data. And um, but I was talking to another another law enforcement officer on social media and they said, you know, all you got to do is is be respectful, comply 
And that's it. Like the moment that the the moment that the subject escalates, then we escalate. It's very rare and almost impossible in day and age of body cameras and social media that a police officer is going to escalate before the subject does. And you know, your husband's case is prime example. It, it was escalated by the subject, and it's just spiraled completely out of control. It has. And I think what's been eye-opening for me is like this combative nature, this culture of resistance is not only accepted, it is being celebrated. This person that my husband was interacting with in the time since this incident has been uplifted as a hero. Um, There's no talk of accountability for his behavior. And this isn't just him being uh, physically combative or pre-assaultive. Like this person verbally calls my husband a whole long line of like, um, you know, racial statements, homophobic statements, sexist statements, like anyone who watches the video should be blown away by the way this person conducts themselves on a physical and verbal level. And yet there are zero conversations around like how his actions led to the escalation of the overall situation and has everything to do with conversations are all centered around, well, it's a white police officer. So let's make assumptions Mm -hmm. about what's in his heart. And it's right. like, how dare you? And this is perpetuated right. by the media. This, these, these flames are fanned by the city council in the area. Um, so it's, I mean, it's a credibly incendiary dynamic that we're dealing with here that police officers across the country are on the front lines of. Right. It's, it's crazy. A, a white police officer walks up to anybody. That sounds like a really bad joke, but a white police officer walks up to anybody and automatically is presumed he's racist in the, in this culture that is being perpetuated. But then you have the subject in this, in whatever scenario you want to give, verbally saying things that are racist, are homophobic, are uh, misogynistic if it's a female officer. And all of that is just disregarded. Like you are, you are making up a, you're drawing a conclusion on the, the white police officer walking up, but the information that is literally being presented to you by the other person, we're not listening to that. It's, it, why was he being singled out? Why was he being, um, contact. And it's just, it, it's always been confusing to me, you know, and I've, I've never seen race as far as my enforcement goes. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's, it doesn't even com- come up to my level of, of cognition. Like I'm not, that's not why I'm making contact with somebody. You know what I mean? It doesn't make yeah. sense. It doesn't fit the media's narrative. It doesn't fit anyone who's committed to being anti-cop or, you know, defunding the police, all that noise. Like it doesn't fit their narrative. So they're going to ignore whatever does not affirm their narrative. And, you know, my husband took a polygraph about this incident and passed the polygraph, of course, um, further proving as if we really needed to prove this. But okay, Um, it's like (laughs) since the court of public opinion has been in session on my husband since last year, here you go. Here are polygraph results that prove that no racial bias, no dishonesty happened in this interaction. And the reality is my husband was not, he was there because he was assigned to be there to talk to everyone. So had the subject been Asian, white, Hispanic, which is what I am, any color, they would have been contacted, right? It's like, how, how are we giving external audiences permission to say, well, I don't like the way the use of force looked, even though it's justified, I don't like it. So I'm going to make mm-hmm. these assumptions yeah. the police officer. I'm going to call for him to be fired and criminally charged just because I don't like the way the interaction looks. I don't understand policing or tactics. And I'm really fired up about what happened two days prior to this incident across the country. Right. Right. Um, definitely. You know, all of that is so true. You think of, um, 
I'm trying to think of a, a good example. Let's say there's a there's a vehicle pursuit, and you know the the crash the vehicle pursuit ends in a crash, which leads to the subject getting injured. Well, now the subject's family is going to say, "Well, why you know that officer shouldn't have been chasing him in the first place? Stop! Stop! Stop!" The person should have stopped the car. That's what should have been the problem. That's what we're we're not. We have such a um, in an indifference. I hear yes. you. It's like an indifference it's, to asking for accountability for these people. That's the word. That's create the word these situations for. for law enforcement. It's outrageous. Yes, I, I mean I don't understand, and it's been ongoing for the past year and a half. We're, we're over a year and a half now of just you know the vic the the criminals are the victims and the police officers are the criminals and it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I can, I will, and any, any self-respecting law enforcement officer will flat out condemn bad policing. If, if any cop is out there doing things wrong, despite what the media wants to say, we will put them on blast. We will say that this is wrong, but we need <laughs> the fact that we have to, um, you know, vindicate and support good policing. Like that should just be a given. Like all these videos that go up like, oh, this is good policing. Yeah, no, it's called policing. Like it's not good policing. <laughs> it's policing. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is the job. Right. Is it kind and, of like, go ahead. I was just going to say, and, um, you know, sometimes the job is ugly. A use of force is ugly. It's not going to be pretty. But if it's justified, and in your husband's case, it was justified, that should be it. Like, you know, and um, so many bigger cities have these citizen review boards where if there's an IA and the IA can be become unfounded, but then it's going to go to the citizen review board who has no public safety training, no law enforcement training going, just like you said, I don't like how that looks. He's in the wrong. Yeah. What? That would be like, I don't know your background, but that would be like tomorrow if you and I were asked to be on a commission or review board for pilots, right? Like I have zero training and experience and knowledge about what goes into being a pilot. Why the hell would I be on a review board to evaluate uh, pilots' conduct? And then from there, if I found them to be like not within policy to recommend punishment, like mm -hmm. this is counterintuitive. I think this is dangerous. It's horrendous. And it only exists in cities that are left-leaning, right? Mm -hmm. um, because it, it gives politics even more of a role in policing, which is so dangerous. I mean, look at our case. Yeah. Case yeah. in point is like politics in this way should have very little uh, room to impact policing. Um, but to you were on a great role earlier and to just like further talk about that dichotomy between cops and criminals and prioritizing yes. criminals over cops. So I'll walk you through this um, incident and then talk about what happened in the immediate weeks after that incident, um, because a lot of people don't know. So this subject, you know, is on MTS property with no business to be there. Um, they strike my husband, uh, later on in the body worn camera footage, this person admits on camera, like, this is the reason I hit you. Right. So it's not disputed. This person hit a police officer. They were acting ridiculous. They resisted and delayed their arrest. And the DA decides not to file charges against this person who admittedly assaulted a police officer. Right. As if that's not wild enough. So this person goes free. Um, my husband goes on admin leave while the use of force is reviewed. It's found to be within policy. Literally less than three months later, this same person leads San Diego police on a felony vehicle pursuit through the city. They weave in and out of traffic. They crash their car twice. They total their car. They bail on foot. They're in possession of drugs, right? DA is not filing charges on this person. Mm. 
Can you believe that? If you did that tomorrow or if me, I live in California. If I did that tomorrow, I would be sitting in jail and I would be criminally charged. Why is this person twice now being given special treatment? And why is our district attorney looking the other way and giving, giving criminal activity a pass? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I could, and I, I probably will in, in the coming, coming weeks go on a tirade about how the justice system has failed our society. That's, that's really what it comes down to. And you could look at the, um, the lead up to the Corona shutdowns uh, because that's when New York had their bail reform. And I mean, that was probably the most atrocious thing to ever happen. And I don't know if it happened around the country, but then you think about Corona and then they were just letting bad guys out. Like, Hey, you know what? And I, I have firsthand experience of, I arrested a very bad dude, pled with the judge, keep this guy in. He's supposed to be in jail for three years. Keep him in. And the jail said, or the judge said, nope, he's going to get two months in county and we're going to kick him. And guess what? We arrested him less than a month later after he was out. So, you know, and it's just, it's, it's absurd. It's insane. And, you know, you're talking about your subject the second time these are violent charges. I mean, you know, a police pursuit is not safe in any realm, especially if he's weaving in and out of traffic and all the other things that he had on him. It's, it's just mind boggling. And we are continuously, and I'm sorry, the judges are continuously basically opening up our citizens to re-victimization by these people. It's absolutely insane. And it's, it's completely mind boggling that the citizens are allowing it. You've got, you know, and I, I know it's, it's the bleeding hearts and they're the loudest and the proudest. Um, but, you know, to see the issues going on in places like California and, and Oregon and Washington state and New York state and all these things, but then the citizens keep electing the same people back into office. It's like, do you guys see what's going on? I know. So San Diego is kind of interesting because yes, we're in like a crazy blue state, but San Diego prior to this last election was very red. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big military town, very pro police town. And so the current DA actually that did all this uh, was elected into office as a Republican. Mm-hmm. And then immediately she gets into office, she revokes her Republican affiliation, right? Red flag, number one. Right. Um, and then, you know, now she's, I think it's for political survivalhood for her. She's up for reelection in 2022. Oh, and that's always. Well, yeah. And, you know, we've got this like crazy DA, just the county north of us in LA, Gascon, uh, who's crazy progressive. And so right. I think the DA here is like trying to appeal to moderate middle of the road voters. And she's trying to show them like, look, I'm progressive. I'll prosecute a cop, even though the case has zero merits. Um, and so that's the really wild part is um, very conservative pro-police groups elected this person into office. They donated to her campaign. And this is what she's turned around and done to them. So, you know, my first like call to action is get her out in 2022 because she's not doing what she promised to do once in office. Um, and the second part of that, and this kind of goes into like this this dynamic of like voters creating this threat to public safety, you know, with this DA in San Diego, Summer Stefan, with her giving criminal activity a pass repeatedly, like we've seen in my husband's case, and her, you know, targeting a cop with no history of discipline, with ridiculous, unfounded charges, um, that sends a message to police here in San Diego County of don't do your job. It's yeah. not worth it. Sit yeah. in your patrol car, sit behind the grocery store your entire shift, and, you know, protect your home, protect your livelihood, protect your family's stability, because Officer Degas, my husband, is getting crucified for just doing his job. And so as a result of proactivity being dead in San Diego, let me tell you, 
crime is through the roof here. Of course. Yeah. And so it's like, really, this is the this is the threat to public safety that we're all putting up with and we're all okay with. It's like homicides, shooting, gang activity, violent crimes sure. all up like 40, 50 percent. It's it's insane. And again, it makes law enforcement across the country not want to do the job. I mean, there's I mean, I could I could ask any cop in America and they'll say, you know, there's some that are still going out and getting it. And I honestly, I don't get why I don't, I don't get it. Um, the, the physical risk, you know, um, the potential risk to, to the livelihoods, to the families doesn't make sense. And for me, when I was in that, in, in that situation, when I was more of a go-getter, cause I've definitely, um, slowed down a lot. Uh, What's the point of risking your life catching this guy with guns or drugs or whatever? He's just going to walk within a month. So what's the point? He's going to walk. And if you have to utilize any use of force against him, game over for you, potentially, depending on how politically charged it is, which it always is these days. Unfortunately, absolutely. And you can be in a red state, but that doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in Florida, but I can guarantee you that there's still that chance that an ugly use of force, which really we could just say a use of force, <laughs> could come back and bite you. I, I know a firsthand account. And, you know, you can't, to, to law enforcement out there, you can't risk your safety for public opinion. But that's that's where it all comes down to. Is it worth it? And unfortunately, there's so many law enforcement officers out there going, no. And they, they're handing it all in because they don't have strong leadership. They don't have people that, that are going to say, no, no matter what happens, I've got your back. And if they do say that, so many cops don't believe it anyway. So, yeah. yeah, that's the that's the real tragedy here, right? Because I believe, and this is just my opinion, that policing is a vocation. It's a calling. And like I consider I'm a marathoner, right? So I understand mental grit and hard shit to a certain degree. But like, I do not have the gall to be a police officer. And you have all these wonderful men and women in blue who put their lives on the line every day, who are in positions that even people like myself who think like, I'm brave, I can, I'm tough, I can kind of hang, like I would never be able to last a day in that job. And you have people who for the last several years have willingly put on their badge, which acts as like a target on their chest and done the job. And like you said, they're, it's not worth it anymore. They're retiring. They're laddering to red counties. They're doing, uh, you know, career changes because it's just not worth it. It's not worth your family's stability. It's not worth like your career, your livelihood, and even your freedom. Like in my husband's case, right? He's facing criminal charges. Right. That, that part this. is just, yeah, that, it's that like, is just mind boggling. And you see that across the country, right? Like uh, retention, recruitment is all non-existent at PDs across the country. So the public safety suffers and you've got these people who have it in their hearts to protect and serve and they're being discouraged by politicking. Um, It's it's incredibly heartbreaking. I know here in San Diego County, like recruitment at police departments is just a huge challenge, not even touching like COVID-19 vaccine mandates. But just off of like politics alone, um, it's it's a really tough spot. Right. It is. And it's, you know, it's a it's a really big snowball effect talking about, you know, making a more dangerous society because you're going to have less officers on the street 
and the officers that are there don't really want to do anything. So like you said, in San Diego, numbers are up and that's any major metropolis right now. Um, but there's going to be less officers on the street. So if there's something that is going to happen, less are going to respond. How many um, agencies have we seen across the country stop responding to certain calls, especially low level calls for service because a, they don't have the staffing and B the city council says, no, we don't want you to respond. Even the high level calls. I saw something here in San Diego the other day that like, was chilling. It was a domestic violence call, which I think is high priority here. And mm-hmm. because of staffing issues, right, the PD is just so shorthanded. That call was on hold for, I want to say like 48 hours. Can yes, you imagine? I did see that. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? That's horrific. That's horrific for the community, for the people involved in the DV. That's horrific for officers to see that call just pending on the board for two days. Um, so, I mean, there are repercussions for actions. And we as a community are seeing that. Yep. I had a leader uh, in my chain of command at one point say that if there's a domestic, we'll get to it when we get to it. And that is terrifying. It's terrifying as a citizen. If I am in need, uh, if I am in that, if I'm in that situation and my family is fighting or, you know, let's say, you know, my, my parents are passed, but just for the sake of this conversation, my mother is being beat up by my father and I need help. Oh, we'll get to it when we get to it. That is just terrifying. That's terrifying. And it's. Yeah. Imagine that's a great point. And imagine if the kids involved in a DV are young, right. Mm-hmm. And they just have to witness this going down experience this atrocity. And then no one comes to their rescue. No I mean, yeah. the emotional trauma alone is almost unspeakable, but also like the, the risk of physical sure. uh, damage as well, because no cops ever showed up to, you know, deescalate the situation. So Man, San Diego is having an incredibly rough moment across the board in terms of public safety um, and perception of law enforcement. And I mean, I wish this wasn't the case, but I think that a large part of it has to do because officers have seen the handling or I should say the mishandling of my husband's case. And it's just like it's 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 more worth it for them to retire lateral or a different state um, or just choose a different professional together or if they still are on patrol like you know, look out, look out after themselves and just sit behind yeah. the grocery store and don't engage because why, when you've seen mm-hmm. what can happen to Matthew Dagas for doing his job, it's not worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, your husband's one case, uh, we can talk about uh, the Atlanta one where, you know, the an entire Wendy's burnt down because of, you know, what ended up being justified, you know, all these, um, Kenosha, same thing, everything from the past, you know, year, all these things are starting to become just or not become, but starting to be found justified. It's like, well, then what was all this for? And, you know, the part of your husband's story that really just scares me, and I'm sure it's going to scare my listeners is that he was found not to be in violation, but the city still burned. And because the city still burned, the leaders went, Oh, well, you're still going to be, you know, thrown under the bus. And that's terrifying. Here's the really scary peek behind the curtain is the city burned down and they immediately sat down my husband and brought me into the conversation. And they offered, well, they told him like, what's your number? What do we have to pay you for you to walk away Mm. willingly? And we were, I mean, so naive at the time, right? Like hindsight's 2020, but at the time, we were like, I, we knew the use of force was justified and we knew to accept a bribe or a settlement would look like, you know, he resigned in termination. Yeah. 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 And so we were just like, we're not afraid of a use of force investigation. Like, let's do it. 
And so they offered us up to $600,000 to walk away. And we knew that, I mean, that's a lot of money for us, but we knew like that would kill his law enforcement career. That would crush his soul. And he loves being a police officer. And we're, we're people of integrity. He's principled. He's like, bring on the use force investigation. Let's do this. And when he declined their bribe, the city manager, or no, it was the city attorney, I believe, like scolded him and said, um, you know, how selfish of you to not see the greater good. And just so you know, we can still come after you and get you for things outside of use of force. And so essentially what they did was they had a roundtable with city leaders and command staff at the police department and said, all right, if the use of force is good, what else can we get him on to get him out of here and force him out for political reasons? Because they're just like at this point in time, they're cowering because their city burned down. They were not equipped to protect their city and the residents there. And they were afraid of it happening again. And rather than uh, manning up and having a conversation with the community and the public about, look, like, you know, we are here to have two-way conversations. We understand your concern. This is what the officer was doing at the trolley station that day. He was doing his job. His use of force is within policy. We, of course, are committed to, you know, improving where we can and community relations. They didn't have the balls to have that conversation. Instead, they just ran away scared and said, like, well, he won't take our money. He won't like leave willingly. So we're going to throw money at this you know, investigative firm to produce uh, basically report results that will allow us to fire this officer. So it's it's pretty scary. It's pretty horrifying what, what they're yeah. designed yeah. to do when it's politically convenient. You know, and there's so much that goes into being a police officer, right? I mean, everyone makes mistakes. No one's perfect. No job, uh, no career field has a perfect person at all. You can go, I mean, the medical field will just, you know, mistakes happen. That's what I'm getting at. Um, but let's just say, you know, in a medical field, just to kind of parallel, someone passes away from a mishap, but it turns out that, Hey, actually everything was fine. It was just, this was going to happen. Okay. But well, city wouldn't burn down because of this, but let's just say it did. Let's look at every single case that this doctor has done every single surgery this doctor has performed now we're going to find one to get rid of it that's just insane that's insane mm-hmm. because you know it wouldn't if the shoe was on the other foot that wouldn't happen if you had a guy a really bad dude in jail that they couldn't convict they wouldn't go to all of his past cases and go all right well let's let's reopen this one that you can't do that by yeah. the constitution you can't do that And I agree with you. No one is perfect. Um, And I'm not here to be like, oh, back the police no matter what. Like, let's hold them accountable. It's so important. I fully support that. But we're talking about an officer, again, use of force was justified. And he was a relatively young officer on the force. And he has zero history of discipline or use of force complaints. And I feel like that needs to be taken into consideration. For sure. Absolutely. Media sweeps it under the rug because that doesn't fit. Had Matthew had any complaints? In his personnel file, the media would have like torched him over that. But because he doesn't, they ignore that. And quite to the contrary, you know, he's got commendations in there from the chief himself. He's got commendations in there, you know, for administering like life-saving measures on a three-year-old. His field training officer said he's one of the sharpest, best trainees he's had in almost 30 years. Um, But none of that seems like matters, right? It's, Mm -hmm. It's like... Like you said, they start trying to dig up dig up dirt on this guy. And when they don't have dirt, they pay this investigative firm, who is like a third-party firm, by the way. Like sure, city sure. council mandated. Normally, uh, use of force investigations are handled by IA, right? City council mandated that they go to an outside firm, uh, which, as you can imagine, it gives them the ability to control the results, right? The city sure. is a paying customer. 
the city is going to go is essentially what happened. They went to the investigator and said, here is why we think this officer needs to be fired. Like, please produce a report that allows us to do that. Mm, um, okay. So it's fun because, you know, poetic justice, they really like grasp at straws to try and paint my husband as a bad guy, even though his, his use of force was justified. And we got the opportunity to get this lead investigator on the stand, the one who writes like this report that the city's like hiding behind to justify mm. railroading my husband. And it's like, it was, so poorly written that this investigator on the stand admits under oath that witness statements were omitted, misrepresented, taken out of context, all for the purpose of like twisting Mm. all the findings so that it could prop up the city's argument against my husband. Um, So it's just like, again, that, that swept under the rug. No one wants to pay attention to that uh, because it doesn't, it doesn't fit the narrative. Right. Yeah. And it, it, I got to give you and your family so much credit because faced with all of this, all of the facts that, you know, no one's talking about, but you continue to fight. And, you know, for me, it's, if I were in your shoes, I don't know. It's, it, it, it feels like what's, you know, what's it going to take? Is there, is this going to end in a positive way? This just sounds so daunting. And I really just give you guys nothing but credit. So, my my question from here is where are you now? What where you know you've talked about the past. Let's bring it present. Like what are you guys working on now? Where where does the case stand? Yes. So the the biggest focus right now is the criminal case. So they're trying to send my or they're trying to convict him of a felony, um, which you know is just outrageous to even say. There is a hearing this Friday. Um, where we're asking a judge to dismiss the case based on its complete lack of merits. Um, so that's big. Um, that happens this Friday. And if we don't prevail at that, then we're going to trial. I think trial could start as soon as December, which is insane. But, you know, once again, we've been in like battle mode and war mode for over a year and a half now. So it sounds crazy to me to say that sentence, like trial could start as soon as Mm -hmm. December, Mm -hmm. but it's like, we're leaning into it. Like there's no case, every single uh, quote unquote witness the DA has brought up has been in our favor. Like this is such a sham prosecution that if they want to continue to embarrass themselves in the public eye in the courthouse, good. Like we are Mm -hmm. leaning into it. We know that the facts are on our side case law, substantial case laws on our side. Um, So that's kind of like the most immediate um, obstacle. And then beyond that, like once we obliterate this unfounded criminal case, the new focus becomes the admin case. So getting him reinstated, getting him back in uniform, basically it's our appeal to La Mesa's decision to fire him. Um, Mm. So, you know, those cases kind of like, I just described them chronologically, chronologically happening one after the other, but they exist like simultaneously side by side. So it's like, we're constantly like battling and strategizing um, on all fronts. We always talk and joke that like every, every day, every conversation feels like a chess game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's what it sounds like. So that's kind of where we are. So it was like a few months ago that I started speaking out because at first I was like, well, I got to trust the process. We both were, we're like, trust the process. Mm -hmm. And then the process very quickly just becomes the punishment. Sure. Um, and you realize that unless you unless you fight back, you could get steamrolled. So um, I started speaking up a few months ago. Our Instagram account has really kind of taken off. Um, and it's just a, a, a place, a resource for people who want to know the truth and the facts about our case. They can go follow us on Instagram. It's um, 
Clear Officer Degas, D is in David, A-G-E-S. Um, and it's kind of just become a movement, if you will, of, of people really rallying around us and getting fired up about what's being allowed to happen to a good police officer. So we'll continue sure. that that fight on that front. And then, of course, the other cases. Yeah, that's I mean, it, it is becoming a movement. And I think, you know, the more light we shine on this case is going to turn the lights on in other cases and hopefully start really being the the vehicle that'll push the pendulum back to the pro police side and be like, wait a second, we've been duped, you know, got to got to pull the, the curtain back and kind of like Scooby Doo, like, oh, this has been the problem the whole long, whole time. Um, and I, I again, your tenacity and just you guys sticking to it. Uh, and I think the fact that you have been on the offensive has really just been so inspiring because again, trust the process. But when you start seeing that the, the, the game is tilted, it's like, all right, now we got to we gotta stack the deck in our favor. And the fact that you guys are doing that is phenomenal. Trying to. Um, but I will say, like, the law enforcement community, including huge pages like yours, have really wrapped their arms around our story and us as a law enforcement family. And that has made all the difference. Like, you can kick and scream as much as you want, but unless, like, big platforms and big names listen and care and get behind you, like, it, it's not really going to take off and... Um, I think the noise we've been able to make is because of awesome people like you um, who've really given us a platform to speak out. So I thank you for commending me, but I just, I turn around and I'm like, I, I wouldn't be here. No one would give a shit about my story if it wasn't for people like you getting loud with us. So thank Absol you. Absolutely. Loud and proud. It's um, I'm just worried. It sounds like the system. So, Oh, that's my question is, is all this happening in La Mesa or are you moving the case out of the local? Are you um, able so to do that? It's all happening in Luisa, which is a small city outside of San Diego County. Um, it's playing out at a, um, a courthouse in that area. Um, we're not moving it. Um, we're, the courthouse where it's all taking place is, we call it in San Diego, it's called East County. And it's a very conservative part of town, very pro-police. Um, so I actually think that's in our favor. But um, no, it's, it's playing out here in San Diego. Um, and there's something else you mentioned. Um, it escapes me now, but yeah, we're on track to, to let it play out in San Diego. Good. good. Cool. And that's good. Cause I was worried um, that if it did play in the same city that burnt down, that that's, who's going to be sitting on the jury and, and so on. And that, you know, that would concern me. And it would also kind of tick me off at the same time because you got serial killers or, or murderers that they get to move their trial. You know, it's like, oh, no, it's too of a, too much of a hot button issue here. We got to move it. Um, but then, again, I was thinking about the deck being stacked against you guys. But it sounds like it's, you know, it sounds like you guys might have home field advantage. I think so. And again, like when you get down to, I guess, the crux of the case, if you will, and I use the word case very like lightly, I, I just feel like when the more and more we talk about this case, the more and more the response gets louder of, okay, why are we here? Right, the use of right. force was justified. The person involved in the use of force, I mean, is absolutely ridiculous and has now shown the community through multiple incidents that they have a pattern of resisting and endangering police and the public, um, you know, and, and their, like their issues, what they're literally trying to convict him of a felony over are, it's such a grasp at straws that once oh, sure. you get down to it, I think a jury, much like anyone else with half a brain is going to be like, why are we here? Why are you wasting our time? What are we doing here? Right. Um, so, I mean, like I always say, I wouldn't 
if if Matthew wasn't the person that he is and didn't have the character and integrity that he has, like I wouldn't be here. If he did anything wrong, I wouldn't be of here. Course. Um, and so I just, like, I'm, we're not afraid if this needs to go to trial. Great. Like, let's take a deep dive on what right. the district attorney's office here in San Diego wants to say is a felony crime. Like, let's do it. I'm not afraid to like really get in there, um, and unpack this like ridiculous sham case. Yeah. And you know, I think, <laughs> I think at the end of it, it's going to be so detrimental to the, the district attorney and the prosecution, um, to show just how completely asinine they all are. Yeah, I think honestly, this has major implications for her reelection campaign next year, right? Mm -hmm. Because like I said, she's turned her back on her base. She's trying to appeal to middle of the road voters. And like, by all means, if this is a cop who did something wrong, like, let's go, let's do it. But you're choosing to target a cop simply because the mob got loud enough and told you to do it. And I don't think that her voters appreciate that. I don't think that they're going to show up in support of her next year. Um, And especially once this case gets dismissed or my husband is acquitted, I think I think it's it's not looking good for summer stuff no. next year. Yeah, and I, I agree with you there. And I I really also believe that you know when when the truth prevails and justice is truly served, and your husband is acquitted or dismissed or whatever it may be, I really could see this being you know the the flagship case that'll start going across the country and being like, all right, let's look at all these other cases. How much more? placating went on and you know how many good officers are being run through the ringer for absolutely no reason and that's exactly what this is sounding like i needed to hear that thank you because we're fighting <laughs> a good fight um and i know we're on the right side of this and of course like i want justice for my husband sure. i want his name to be cleared but we keep saying like the moment this is over for us like we'll have a lot of champagne but then mm-hmm. we're going to turn right back around and we're going to use everything we've learned to help other law enforcement families and other cops yeah. were being targeted because, you know, we're not the only ones. We might be one of the loudest ones right now, but I know this is happening across the country. I know that this will continue to happen across the country. And part of like how we're making sense of this trauma is that we're being called to like help others and help prevent yeah. this from happening to others. So Absolutely. I appreciate you saying that because I <laughs> that's certainly my hope is that we've this is happening to us for a reason and we want to do good with everything we've learned. So that's right. definitely our intention. For sure. And I guess that was kind of my my next topic I wanted to talk about, because in the beginning you mentioned about, you know, support for Elio's spouses. Um, this has got to be so unforeseen stress for you. I mean, this I mean, like like I said in the beginning, yes, every Elio spouse and every Elio family is going to endure stress. That's part of the, the gig, um, but never expected to do this. So what would your advice be? What would be your words of wisdom to other LEO spouses, not necessarily in this specific situation, but just in these really stressful types of situations? I mean, if I can go back to myself as a new LEO spouse and give myself advice, it would be the same advice that I would share with other um, cop wives is that you know, you love your husband, you're supporting him through one of the most dangerous professions. And one one of the things, a couple of things that you can do as a spouse that I never realized is having conversations early with your spouse about the type of agency they're aligned with. Like, at least where we are in the world, sheriff's departments are going to be much safer places than city police departments. Um, and just doing like a culture climate check of where your husband or partner um, works, you know, like what is their workplace culture? Um, And then in terms of like the home front, one of my biggest takeaways is 
Um, and we had talked about this prior to his incident, but we just didn't think that the threat was immediate enough for us to take action. Um, but as a wife, I, I wish I would have, um, is you can protect your personal information online as a police family. There are subscriptions that you could pay for that scrub your address, your phone number, all types of personal details. It protects it from the internet. Um, and you know, we didn't, unfortunately, we didn't think it was um, an urgent enough need. And what happened was our address, our personal address, um, our phone numbers, our, our family's personal addresses, everything you can possibly imagine that's like private and sacred was leaked everywhere online. And that's called doxing. And that was mm -hmm. a term I had no idea. I just wasn't familiar with it before in the way that I am now. And if there's any, uh, you know, LEO wives listening to this, that would be one of my biggest um, takeaways, hopefully for you is like, take action right now. Like, don't wait until after this podcast. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't put it off at all. Um, sign up for these subscriptions. Protect your home front. Because let me tell you, the culture and the norm out there is when there's um, a cop in a viral video, regardless of the content of the video and the situational details, the mob goes after you. They literally bring the fight to your doorstep. And we're lucky we didn't have kids at the time when the mob like stormed our house and protested and made death threats to us. But, you know, and we were able to be like kind of nimble and resilient. We like we tried to wait it out, ended up moving. But it's like, can you imagine if we had kids, any mm -hmm. any age, kids mm -hmm. that were exposed to that trauma? Um, so there are services online, like officer privacy is a really great one where you can pay a nominal fee. Some police unions will actually uh, reimburse you for those fees and it protects your, your home address. It protects your stability and security as a family. So that's a huge one. That's one that it really could have changed our lives for the positive during the storm. Um, and I hope that others will take steps to protect themselves. Absolutely. It's, it's so important. Everyone says, Oh yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But like you said, they drag their feet. They take too long. They think, Oh, it'll never happen to me. And then it happens and it's too late. So you're absolutely right. That's a great, great point to bring up. All right. So you said kind of where you guys are at with the case. You said everything. I got to I got to ask though. He says he wants to go back to, to work. I mean, what is your take on that? Are you are you nuts? Like, oh, that's such a great question. Um, I mean, I've certainly as a police wife, I've been through hell with him. Um, but I also know that this is his chosen profession. He comes from a long line of law enforcement professionals. His grandfather and great grandfather worked for L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Like this is his calling and his passion in life. And while we've been through the ringer, um, it's not my call to unequivocally say like, we're done here. Um, but like, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, right? Like clear his name, get him reinstated and then kind of have conversations around like, what is a safe agency? What is a safe County? What is a safe state for us? Um, sure. and then as soon as I can get him to like, I don't know what, like, is it Sergeant or detective or Lieutenant that becomes more of like a desk job than being on. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to be asking about the timelines for that. Um, sure. or, or professions that are, are similar to policing, but I can already hear his voice in my head. Like policing right, is his right. passion. Policing is passion. And yes, like we've been through hell, but like it also is not up to the mob to take away his calling and his passion. Absolutely. So we have to find some type of like happy medium, but I have his back a thousand percent. Well, that's great. And that's, that's such a good takeaway. And just letting you know, Governor DeSantis <laughs> is paying $5,000 for anybody. We love him. I did so, hear that. So that's I'm just weird. saying. That's yeah. a leader. That's definitely caught our attention. 
So just an idea. Uh, <laughs> Christina, this has been absolutely amazing. I'm th- I, Thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing everything. Um, now, I do have a question for you. You can say no if you want. Um, typically, at the end of my episodes, I play a game with my my guests. Would you be interested? It's basically like a question and answer thing. Let's do it. All right, cool. Um, let me just, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right into it. All right. Great. Did you know that in the years 2017 to 2018, the American obesity rate was over 42%? Did you further know that police officers are 25% more likely than the average American to die from obesity-related illnesses? These are diseases like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and high blood pressure. So what do we do? Do we continue to stay victims to shift work and terrible nutrition options while going call to call? Or do we do something about it? Well, I decided to do something about it, and that's why I started working with Nick Wall Nutrition. Nick is one of less than 100 professional nutritionists in the entire United Kingdom and has worked with many professional athletes from soccer, rugby, cricket, and even Team Great Britain. And all of his plans are backed by pure scientific evidence. Eating the foods you love and losing weight doing it. No fad diets, no pills, no powders, and no god-awful detox teas. Nick is the real deal and was named Nutrition Specialist of the Year for the year 2019 to 2020. Check him out on Instagram at NickWallNutrition or NickWallNutrition.com and join Nick's team and change your life. All right, we're back and we're going to play Signal 3. Uh, Once again, we have Christina Degas. Thank you so much for all that you've told us. Um, before we get into the game, though, just what is the social media again? You said it once. I want to get it one more time, though. Clear Officer Degas on Instagram. Degas is D as in David, A-G-E-S. Clear Officer Degas on Instagram. Perfect. And uh, you guys have shirts for sale, right? We have shirts for sale. Um, you also can make a donation. The link in our bio will take you to all the good things you can do to stand with us and support us. So T-shirt, donation, like, share our posts get loud with us. Um, we'd love to have you join our army. Awesome. Let's, let's do it. Let's clear them. And, uh, all right, we're going to go play some signal three. So got a bunch of questions for you. The first group of five questions is going to be overrated or underrated. Uh, I'm going to give you something. You tell me how you feel about it. We're going to okay. go. First one is going to be pizza. Ooh, underrated under really okay i appreciate that a lot of people i don't know they've been hating on pizza these days is it a um, one, one more answer or like rapid fire like and you want me to like elaborate on it i want to do a good job for you um you can elaborate on it if you want all right cool um the next one we're gonna say s'mores overrated yeah i i'm not a big s'mores fan myself i kept waiting for myself to like get it and enjoy it. And I'm an adult now and it never happened. So, right. Nope. Got it. Uh, going to see a movie. Are movies still a thing? Underrated. I miss, I miss that. We can't do it anymore out here in California. Right. Right. And you know, I think the, um, cause you can see movies now in, on Netflix, like things are going from the theater right there and whatever. That's true too. But you know, it's not the same if you're not paying $50 for a tub of popcorn. It's not the same. <laughs> Uh, what about working overtime? Uh, well, I, my husband loves it. So I would say he'd say it's underrated. I think it's overrated. Yeah. Barely saw my husband before his incident. <laughs> All right. So this next group of five questions is going to be this or that. I'll give you two things to tell me which one you like more. Uh, dogs or cats? <gasps> Doggies. We have three. Oh, what kind? 
pity mixes. They're all like rescue babies. So there are all kinds of breeds, I'm sure. Awesome. Pity mixes are almost the best, I think. Yeah. <laughs> coffee or energy drinks? Coffee all day. Okay. Uh, how do you take your coffee? Uh, usually black, but if I'm in a delicate mood, AKA party too hard the night before, a little bit of, a little bit of creamer to make it a little bit sweet for me. Okay. Got it. Got it. Uh, burgers or tacos? Tacos. My favorite cuisine is like tacos all the way. Okay. Um, let's see. So this next one is uh, police oriented. So we'll have to skip that one, but we'll go to, this is one of my favorites. Uh, ride in the train, dance in the rain, or feel no pain. <laughs> feel no pain. What were the other two even? Riding. Well, so I got it from a movie. And um, so riding in the train, like, you know, you prefer to go traveling, dance in the rain to be silly and then feel no pain. So, okay. Yeah. I still stick with my answer. That's an interesting phrase though. Yeah, it is. Um, All right. So the next one, so these are the initial signal three questions. So where I live and work signal three is like a hit and run. So just super rapid fire. Say what you, first thing that comes to your head, we can go into them if you want, but like, don't think about it too much. And then we'll go from there. All right. So, where is your dream vacation destination? Greece. Greece. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I was planning right before COVID started, I was planning a Mediterranean cruise. And I just, the 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 Greek islands, I just so want to go to. <sighs> Dedicate a lot of time to it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is something that you love that everyone hates? <laughs> Country music. <laughs> Okay. Now, what is something you hate that everyone loves? Uh, oh, gosh. I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. <laughs> meat. I'm not, I don't like meat. Okay. Are, are you a vegetarian? I eat fish, so I think pescatarian oh. is the correct Pest- term. But okay. meat, even as a kid, I was like, Ugh. But I know, I know I'll, <laughs> I'll get a lot of flack for that. That's okay. That's okay. No, that's, that, that's fine. Uh, what's your favorite donut flavor? Anything with sprinkles on it, and that's not a flavor, but it's just visually, like, <laughs> sprinkles do it for me. Okay. That's fair. What is, okay. You're going into the biggest moment of your life. Like when you're walking into that courtroom, what song is going to be playing in your head? Oh my gosh. Some type of like hard rock song. That's like my workout jams. Like, okay. I could think of like 10, I don't know, but any, just anything that's like getting me pumped up. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what is the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? That's a great one. Um, I don't know. Is that lame to say I don't know? You're not the first person to say that. I so mean, my, my mom's voice in my head, like, don't be stupid. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. really lame. Um, I, I have amazing parents, so I could probably write a book on all the wonderful things they've guided me on that ring true, even as I'm an adult. So, mm-hmm. okay, that'll work. Yeah, that works. Uh, describe your significant other in one word. Kind. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Um, what is your favorite late night snack? Hot Cheetos. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay. And the last question we're going to give you today is if you were to share a meal with one person dead or alive that you've never met, who would it be? And what would you order? Mm, okay. I'm going to nerd out. Told you I like Carrie Underwood. I told you I don't eat meat. Or I, I told you I like country music. I told yes, you I don't eat yes. meat. So, and I love Carrie Underwood. So she's a vegetarian. She's a country music artist. And we would probably have some plant-based nerdy meal. It would be amazing. Right. 
Excellent. So that does it. That wraps up Signal 3. Thank you so much for playing. It's kind of goofy, but it's fun. Um, All right, Christina, thank you so much again for your time. I think this was great. Everyone listening, go check out Clear Officer Degas and let's uh, let's champion them as they uh, beat this shit. Thank you. Amen. And thank you for having me on. This was fun. Absolutely. My pleasure. And everyone listening, stay tuned. We'll be right back. I remember the first time I really understood what it was to be an American, what it was to be a patriot. I was just a kid, a million years ago, it seems, maybe 12. I was reading Mark Twain, and he wrote something that struck me right down to my core, something so powerful, so true that it changed my life. I memorized it so I could repeat it to myself over and over across the years. He wrote, In a republic, who is the country? Is it the government, which is for the moment in the saddle? Why, the government is merely a temporary servant. It cannot be prerogative to determine what is right and what is wrong, and decide who is a patriot and who isn't. Its function is to obey orders, not originate them. Who then is the country? Is it the newspaper? Is it the pulpit? Why, these are the mere parts of the country, not the whole of it. They have not command. They have only their little share in the command. In a monarchy, the king and his family are the country. In a republic, it is the common voice of the people. Each of you, for himself, by himself, and on his own responsibility, must speak. It is a solemn and weighty responsibility, and not lightly to be flung aside at the bullying of pulpit, press, government, or the empty catchphrases of politicians. Each must for himself alone decide what is right and what is wrong, and which course is patriotic and which isn't. You cannot shirk this and be a man. To decide it is against your convictions is to be an unqualified and inexcusable traitor, both to yourself and to your country. Let men label you as they may. If you alone of all the nations shall decide one way, and that way be the right way according to your convictions of the right, you have done duty by yourself and by your country. Hold up your head. You have nothing to be ashamed of. It doesn't matter what the press says. It doesn't matter what the politicians or the mobs say. It doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else. The requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press, and the whole world tell you to move. Your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. Decaying, not sustaining, stuck in bed, my mind is just-
can't find a single word My mental state is bruised and beaten From looking for ways to make this work You've got your demons I've got a few more than I'd like That doesn't give me a rhyme or reason To burn down everything inside Every time we fight I'll just another week to back up sleep Keep my thoughts locked away With every promise you can't keep Break me again You're goddamn I go through great lengths and great strengths to make this not a political show. Uh, there's several reasons for it. One is you guys don't need to hear that. You hear it enough from political pundits who tell you how to think and feel and react to things. You don't need it from me. You know, if, if you guys want to be in an echo chamber, then you guys can go listen to Fox or CNN or whatever your uh, drug of choice is. But that's not me. I'm here to entertain and inform in w- other ways, uh, you know, about law enforcement, about mental health. That's kind of the niche that I have found, but more so, you know, there, there's more than that. There's there's different lifestyle aspects that I like to bring up to it. Next week, obviously, we're going to be talking about punk rock music, like whatever. But when a story comes to me or is laid in front of me, such as Officer Degas. I need, I feel the need, I feel the responsibility to use my platform to get the story out there. And there's multiple reasons for it, and I think I kind of explained it during the conversation with Christina, but in case you missed it, this case could be any one of us. It could be any officer that's listening to this. It could be any officer that's off duty. It could be anybody for anything. I really hope you've taken time, maybe pause this for a minute, and looked up Officer Degas's case. Looked up the body camera footage of this interaction. You'll go, he's facing a felony for that? This, this isn't even, what? It blows my mind. Blows my mind. And... If we are going to sit back, we as well, we as American people, but we as law enforcement officers and supporters of law enforcement are going to sit back and, and let this happen to an innocent man. It could very well be us sitting there for you when it's your turn to be through this. That's why it's so important that we band together and we make sure that we clear Officer Degas because once Matt beats this case we will be able to look at the precedent his case sets and all the other law enforcement officers that are wrongly accused due to cancel culture and all the nonsense that we had to deal with for it and then maybe society can get back to the way it needs to be you know law abiding and i'm not saying fear the police but fear doing wrong so that's really what I'm trying to get across, and I put two very poignant speeches in today's episode. I put in Teddy Roosevelt's The Man in the Arena, which is one of my absolutely favorite speeches of all time. I have it in my bedroom. Uh, it's it's so quintessential. And, you know, you'll see people like Tom Brady talk about it. He's not 
Teddy Roosevelt was not talking about Tom Brady. Period. So, love him, hate him, whatever. He's talking about warriors. Tom Brady is a polished professional athlete. He's got no dirt and grime on him. Like, really? I mean, yeah, I guess physically he does when he gets sacked for the 9 million time. But it's not what Teddy Roosevelt's talking about. So you got that. And then I followed it up with Captain America's No You Move speech from the comics. And um, I put that actually in our first episode with Nick Wilson last year. And I paired it with the same music and everything. First off, because I thought it sounded amazing. But secondly, the speech has exactly everything to do with what we need to do in America, man. We need to stop dealing with with this, you know, everyone's saying the loud minority. Well, it's actually the silent majority that needs to start standing up for what is right, the core values and ethics of of civilization. Lawlessness is not the future of society. I hate to break it to you, it's not. Lawlessness and anarchy, that there's no good that'll come from this. Does reform need to happen? Maybe. You know, like I said, we don't live in a perfect society, so yeah, things need to change, and I'm not going to say that it doesn't. Okay, and there are learning experiences from the tragedies that have happened in this country. Okay, but to just wipe the slate clean and just hey, you know what? Let's just let's just duke it out, man. That's not that's not what we're trying to do here. If we're going to try to make things better, we need to. But you know what? Some of the laws, probably most of the laws, they they are there for a reason. They really are. So by limiting the power of the law enforcement officer. It's it's so counterintuitive. I don't understand it. I never will understand it. And I don't understand how judges can just, you know, they don't care about the probable cause or really the proof beyond reasonable doubt. You got people who are walking away with violent felonies, either no file or, or not guilty or some bogus probation-only sentence. I don't get it. Never will. Anyway, I'm getting on diatribes. The last thing I want to take away from Christina Dagas and her story is Christina Dagas herself. Listen, if you are a police spouse, if you are a police wife, if you're a police husband, if you're someone that thinks cops are hot, what Christina Dagas is doing is what every single one of you need to be ready to do. Her tenacity, I couldn't even think of the word, her tenacity for her husband is just awe-inspiring. You know, I don't know how they got together. I don't know how they dated. I don't know where they met. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all, okay? What matters is she is up to bat. If that is what you want in your spouse, that is what you want in your partner. When the chips are down, I don't I don't really subscribe to a religion, so I'm not even going to say what your wedding vows say cuz I mean, you know, you can write them. You could have the uh <laughs> the song from B2K. Um that's from Guess Who? It's a movie with Bernie Mac and Ashley Kutcher. You should watch it sometime. It's really funny. But anyway, I don't care. She is doing what a wife is supposed to do, what a partner is supposed to do. Gender roles, fuck that. Whatever, whatever, whoever it is. It's so amazing, and it, I, I just love seeing it. And I, I give her all the credit in the world. She is going, she's speaking to to all these news outlets. She's speaking to me. She's speaking to Mike the Cop. Whoever will listen to her story, she's doing it. She's doing it for her husband because he's a good man who got fucked over by a fucked up situation. And you know what? Thank I I want to thank everybody for making it so our paths crossed because 
it really resonated with me as a person. This is what good people do. And and if you're just going to sit back and just, you know, click on to the next podcast after all, after this, you know, good for you, whatever. But that, I'm not talking to you right now. I'm talking for the people that are pissed off that this good family, this good man is being subjected to terrible, terrible situations. Like this is, this is the worst that you could possibly do. I had a training officer tell me that a misdemeanor is a mistake, right? It's small. It's typically you can work around it, but a felony is a fuck up. Okay. There is, there's criminal intent with a felony. Okay. 98% of the time there's a, there's criminal intent with a felony. Well, guess what? There was no criminal intent with Matthew Vegas. There wasn't. Okay. I, I haven't reviewed the specifics of his case, so maybe I am talking out of turn. But I saw the video. Okay? I don't need to know the case law about proper detention of a, of a transit facility. Whatever kind of bullshit that the prosecution is trying to go with. I don't need to listen to it. I don't care. I saw the body camera footage. I've been a cop. I know. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not rocket science. The fact that we've gone to this point is insulting to the American people. It is. But, again... Kudos to Christina Degas, kudos to Matthew Degas, and kudos to everybody in their corner. Absolutely, and I will, I'll die on that hill. What I will say, before we wrap up today, what I will say is that this episode, this moment right here, needs to be the call to arms. If you support law enforcement, if you are a law enforcement officer listening to this podcast right now, I need you to go to Instagram, to Clear Officer Degas. I will be posting and tagging them with this podcast so you don't have to fuck up the spelling. It's there. I need you to follow them. I need you to share their content. I need you to support them. Monetarily would be great because guess what? My man is hes down on his luck, man. He needs all the help he can. So if you want to buy one of their cool-ass t-shirts, if you want to just throw him some coin, that's what they need. Okay, I really wish I had the uh, legal prowess to go out there and fight for them myself. I wish I had the ability to go out to California and fight for them myself. I don't, but I will do whatever I can the best way I can. And if, if me just having a voice does that, then hell yeah, I will scream from the mountaintops, which I'll have to travel quite a bit because Florida has no mountaintops. But the thought is there. Okay, so that being said, if you are a cop, if you're a cop supporter, get out there, support Officer Matthew Dagus. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And Matt, I really hope you're listening to this. When all this is said and done and you are a free man, come to Florida. Every round's on me. And you can you can hold me to that. That concludes today's episode, folks. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me, for listening to this amazing story. And thank you so much for supporting Matthew Dagas. Because I know when we're done here, you're going to go right to their Instagram and you're going to start helping them out. I know you are because you guys are good people. And real, recognize real, as the, as the kids say. I was going to say these days, but they probably said that like in the 90s, and I'm just an old fuck. Um, so again, thank you guys so much for hanging out. The music today was brought to you by Keep Flying. Uh, the first song was Follow My Nightmare, Follow Your Nightmares. Second one was Already the Strongest Man Alive. We're going to wrap it up with Lesson Jake, A Call to Arms. Guys, this is it. Go support Matthew Dagas, have a great time. We'll see you next week. We're talking to BC Sanders and Dave from Hey My Man. And we're going to be talking about punk rock, which is, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Take care of each other. Stay safe, guys. Love you. We'll see you next time. Peace.